Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, where I walk my friend and new bow hunter Josh through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Baxter, and I'm here with Josh again. Josh, how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited for this topic. It's one I've been thinking about, and I think it's one you told me about early on to yep. start thinking about. Well, it's uh, we're a little late by the time get guys get this, but hopefully uh, not too late. We're talking about training today, um, specifically a lot of advice from uh, an Ironman triathlon, which I was fortunate enough to complete a few years ago. Um, just learned so much from that and learned a lot about elk hunting over the past <laughs> decade, of course. So yeah, uh, trying to combine those two things. And this time I'll be able to pitch in a little bit because I've done a 52 mile ultra marathon and a handful of marathons and half marathons. So in terms of the cardio running side, it might be able to pitch in a little more than I usually do. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's a serious accomplishment, man. I don't, uh, when I did the try stuff, I was always a good swimmer and biker, but I hate running. <laughs> it sucks. Running sucks. It's the dumbest. It's, it's like the dumbest sport. Like when, when people, when I tell people that I've done those things, they're like, why? And I, I have to just ask myself the same reason. It's kind of an insane, <laughs> dumb sport. Which is funny because they still run three times a week. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, we can, uh, yeah, maybe we, we break it down. As always, there's a post for this one, Hunt Elk in 2020 series up on the website. But yeah, the way I broke that one down was like talking through the why. Like, why are you training, right? And then what do you need to train for? Because I think a lot of guys, when they're elk hunting, don't have like a set goal or like need to know like what level of fitness they need to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and then I broke down a few things like training tips I learned and then some really cool exercise hacks. So we can get to those bits, but I think maybe we just kind of start with the why and meander on over. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Um, so the why for me on the Ironman, um, and this is kind of a personal one and I think it has a lot to do with elk hunting. So bear with me. Yeah, I remember when I was training for it. So for guys that don't don't know, an Ironman is a triathlon, which is swim, bike, run. Uh, and it is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a 26.2-mile run or a marathon uh, all in a day, kind of back-to-back. -back. So it's definitely a big, big day, and it's a long, long thing to train for. And it's, it's not something you show up and do, right? Like it takes a few years to mm -hmm. work up to, as, as Josh, you definitely know from all the marathon stuff. Um, and so, you know, I guess the question a lot of guys ask is like, why would you ever do that to yourself? Or why would you yeah. ever do that in general? <laughs> Which is a eerily similar question you're going to get when you tell people about solo elk hunting or something like that. Um, it, it, for me personally, you know, when I started, started training for that, there are really three reasons. Um, and the one that was, uh, kind of the least expected was my granddad at that point had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, so he'd been. I mean, I guess there's really no way to, to escape that disease, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's terminal. Um, it's coming. And so 
one of the things that always blew me away is that he got up every morning at five and would weight lift for like an hour and a half. Dang. And he'd been doing that for like 30 years. Uh, and he was just like his doctors could not understand how well he did for as long as he did uh, just because the level of fitness and devotion he had every day, like it just helped him fend off those symptoms for a really long time. Wow. I think, uh, you know, watching that, obviously it's hard to watch, but I also got to look in the mirror and go, man, are you, you know, I go out every weekend and do some pretty incredible stuff and, you know, go hike for five hours or surf for, you know, four hours straight or whatever it was, but are you working out every day? And like, if you get into his position, are you really in a spot where you're going to do the same? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that, that realization, you know, I looked up and was like, Ooh, no, I am definitely not consistent in working out. Um, and so for me, I always knew that I needed to have a goal, right? I needed to have something to work for. Otherwise it's just hard for me to get up out of bed every morning. And so I said, Hey, well, I'll just give some triathlons a trot. You know, I never, <laughs> really started out thinking about the Ironman. I just thought, hey, I'll do, do triathlons. Um, and it would be cool to get there one day, but, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, and, you know, that combined... Uh, why triathlons? With, yeah. Um, for me, you know, I'd always, like I said, I've always swam and I've always biked. Oh, okay. So it's been... Those are two things I'm really good at and really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> I never run really in my <laughs> life before. So that was the hard one. But yeah, that motivation... I think that's that's my first and biggest piece of advice for your training and for any guy that's out there elk hunting is like knowing your reason why. Um, you know, there's other reasons why it came into it for me. Like you want to say you did something like that, of course, that's the selfish reason to do mm-hmm. an Ironman. Um, you also just want to do like the best at what you're doing, you know, whatever it is. But if you don't have that why, I think it's so hard to like get out there and do something that difficult. Does that line up with your marathon experience? Absolutely. 100%. Because uh, there's that quote, cheesy quote, and it's like, uh, when you know your reason why, then your how finds legs. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that's 100% correct. Like, if you have a very strong reason why, you'll make it happen no matter what. And if you don't have a strong reason why, then those doubts and the excuses will definitely find their way through. Like the people who are listening to this who want to go elk hunting um, this season for the first time, myself included, if you don't have a strong why, it's probably just not going to happen. Um, and same goes for anything difficult really in life. So yeah, yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wisdom for someone uh, in their twenties, Josh. Wait <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's so true. Like it just doesn't, there's been so many things where if you're not motivated and you're just trying to get up every morning and do it, it's, it's tough, right? Works the same mm-hmm. way if you're not excited about it and you've been, everyone's been there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest misconceptions about elk season, the guys, like they just don't understand. Oops, sorry, Baxter, it, it cut out a bit there. Nope. Yeah, it's one, one of the one, best, biggest misconceptions. Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about elk season is guys just don't know the goal, right? They don't really know like what they're trying to train for, how hard it's going to be. Like a you know a triathlon, Ironman, it's got a defined <laughs> distance for each of these things. It's really easy to say that's what you need to go do. Right? Elk hunting, like guys are like, what exactly is this even going to mean? Right? Like what's mm-hmm. the and like, do I even need to train for elk hunting? Honestly, most guys aren't going to say that out loud, but I think a lot of them are like, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, don't want to work my butt off. And like, I can grit it out. I've seen, seen these guys that talk about mental persistence and that's like, that's it. Right. Yeah. And the mental side is a big part of it, but the physical side will definitely make the mental side easier. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
And so I, I am not immune from this one. I did the same thing, right? I, I actually finished the Ironman in 2015, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next year was the first, first year I was elk hunting. And so I actually finished the Ironman the first, or the fall before my first year elk hunting. Uh, so I came into that thinking, Hey, you're in pretty good shape and didn't really prepare for that year of hunting. Right. Mm-hmm. I just showed up and honestly, I'd seen a lot of these guys that are, they're hunters and weightlifted and are huge. And at that time, you know, I'm pretty skinny, right. Endurance athletes were, you're not, you're not a heavyweight. It's like, okay. I'll weightlift <laughs> and I'll go elk hunting. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. So I was like, okay, this will be great. And, uh, I remember doing that hunt and just being whooped. Right. Oh, like, really? Yeah, just brutal. And it, this was like nine months after the Ironman too, not that long after. Huh. Uh, getting up there to like 10, 11,000 feet, doing that hiking. And granted, I had pretty bad equipment. I just learned all the lessons the hard way. Mm-hmm. But at day two or three, I remember just being wrecked. And that's, that's what I always tell guys is like anybody can hunt hard for like two days. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's used to going out hard on the weekend and you kind of recover during the week. But like day three is when it gets real, <laughs> like really real. <laughs> yeah. And all you had done in training in those nine months was just weightlifting. I'd done mostly weightlifting. You know, I'd done okay. some other cardio of course. Like, yeah, can't, can't stop focused. a habit like that. But I don't think I had kind of the consistency in the effort Gotcha. there that I'd had done before. And so when I, you got out there to the mountain, it was like just bonkville (laughs) and after two or three days i was like mentally defeated and we talked a little bit about that story before i ended up getting lucky um but i think one of my favorite advertising quotes of all time that's from nike which is luck is the last dying wish of the unprepared damn so true that is exactly what happened um and i think that's it's probably what a lot of guys deal with when they're first elk hunt right you'll feel great day one or two you go up there you'll you'll move around. And then day three, you're just whacked and you just don't have time to recover, right? By the time you recover your week of vacations up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think of anything like I can pass on to guys. It's like, that's your motivation for training. Is it like, you're going to get two or three good days and then you're going to be just zonked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Josh, you've, you certainly had some like bad experiences in your marathon, but you know how bad that is too, for like your mental state. And like, you just oh. don't get yeah. Like what's, what's your worst experience in the marathon stuff? Oh, great question. My worst experience was on a mountain marathon, 9,000 feet of elevation change over about 27 miles or so. And at mile 22 or so, 80 degrees in the summer at mile 22 oh. or so, um, I just, I wasn't eating. I wasn't fueling yeah, well important. during the last part of the race. Like the last quarter, I just kind of threw it out the window. I was like, I don't want to eat another gel. I'm going to throw up. Like this is disgusting. <laughs> in there. And I was also running out of water. I was on the downhill past the last rest station. And mile 22, I just, I started walking. I, I couldn't, my knees felt like uh, nails were being drilled into each kneecap, like uh. every step, even while walking. Mm-hmm. And Oh man, I just knelt down and threw up and like just sat on the ground, like just face like six inches away from my own puke. And that was my low point for sure. <laughs> yeah. You, you didn't have to think much about that one. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely number one, the worst, worst point. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's great. It's, it's a great point. Cause like that, when you talked about how horrible that felt and like, mm-hmm. and how you got sick. And I, mean, I think that's, that also happens in the mountains. Like if you get that tired and that beat, 
you know, altitude sickness is not a joke. Guys get it. It's, you know, there can be serious complications from it. And I think when your body's that broken down and that tired, like mm -hmm. those sorts of things can happen too, right? Yeah. The, uh, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. But the funny thing about the marathon though, was that that experience was actually what I was seeking uh, when I got mm -hmm. into marathon running. And I think that's what my why was, is the mm -hmm. curiosity about how far I can push myself. And I think you can probably resonate a bit with that doing mm -hmm. the Ironman is like, I wanted to find my breaking point. Yeah. And I found it that day. And, and I, I remember it being such a powerful experience. I was sharing with a friend the day after, like you, you dig so deep in like this well, like let, let's use the uh, metaphor of a well, like how deep is this well of like, just pure willpower that you have. And when you reach the bottom, you find out that it's actually deeper, like it keeps going. Mm -hmm. And so that's what was so empowering about all this marathon experience. Uh, I totally went off on a tangent there, no, but um, that's, great. that's the weird thing though. <laughs> like why people go and chase these experiences of basically suffering. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's spot on, man. And I don't, I mean, it, let me back up a level here too. What I don't want to do is scare guys away that are listening to this, right? Like <laughs> you, they're like, Oh man, this guy did an Ironman. This guy did a marathon. Like these are fitness nuts. <laughs> no, you don't need to have that level of fitness to be, to go elk hunting. And like, I think on Instagram and all these places, everyone's like, Oh, fitness, elk hunting. Mm -hmm. They run together. And yes, they do. But like, you don't need that level. Right. So like, yeah, <laughs> let's back up a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. I ran two miles yesterday. And I was tired. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's not crazy. Like I don't run, I don't run anywhere near what I used to, but, but at the same time, like, I do think that mindset of like pushing your limits, it's like part of the fun of elk hunting, right. And like going into that with that attitude is it's a huge part of success because it's going to try you. It's going to test you. Um, for sure, especially if you're you're backpacking DIY stuff, that's it's going to be intense. And that if you want that experience, like you're gonna you're gonna embrace it and do so much better. Yeah. What was harder physically, the Ironman or the elk hunt, or is it more mental that makes it harder on the elk hunt? Like, yeah. Um, you, you know what was really interesting, guys? I've actually been asked that question a few times, and I, I have a really hard time answering it because I think they're very different, right? The Ironman, you had a really set goal and you knew exactly what it was. And so I actually did 80% of an Ironman like five weeks before the event in training. You know, oh, wow. Up to that okay. point and you'd, so I think it was more nervousness around not screwing up <laughs> the day of. <laughs> right. Um, and trust me, there were some very, very dark moments um, where you're just trying to stay mentally positive and healthy yeah. And uh, a lot of lessons I learned with, from that that we can talk through. So it's, I'm not trying mm -hmm. to say that day was easy. That was the, one of the hardest days of my life. Um, yeah. But I think like I knew what it was and I knew what I was doing going into it mm -hmm. versus right. I think what's so hard about elk hunting is it's, it's capacity to like push you beyond your limits. Right. There's no finish line, right? There's no goal. There's no magical formula. There's no, you know, so I think that that first trip in the story we talked about in two, two or three podcasts ago, when you get to that breaking point and you know, you're, you got an elk down, you've got five hours to butcher it yourself. And then you got to stay up all night trying to find a packer. And then you've got to go back and get it. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is, it's intense. And it was, it was tough, you know? Yeah. It was really tough. Um, and so I think they were both equally difficult and I think they're both pretty amazing accomplishments for guys that are listening that want to do either of them. Um, mm -hmm. Things that I look back on and, it made me so much more confident, like happy, yeah. about, like my mental state and abilities. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, they're they're very very different things.
Yeah. So that's the why is because without a why, it's just <laughs> the likelihood of it happening and it going down and people giving up. And, like the why is probably the number one most important thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to, like, it's, you can't really, I can't through a podcast reach out and grab somebody and be like, this is your why, right? Yeah. But I think I would encourage guys that are thinking about doing this. What do you really want out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and why? Like, do you really want to kill something or do you just really want to test your limits or do you just really want to be out there and enjoy? Do you want to learn? So figuring out what that is and making sure you're, you're being honest with yourself is going to be step one, right? Yeah. Um, and then, okay, that's the cool fluffy part, like brass tacks, like, do you need to train for all cutting, right? Like onto the practical mm-hmm. stuff. And the answer is like, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I think that's the, the bit, like if I'm going to stand back and kick someone's butt to get them a little motivated, like it, if there are three things that make you successful in elk cutting, right? One of them is going to be that you're, you have the knowledge you need, right? Two is you got the right mindset and three is you got the fitness. Yeah. Like that's that if you're talking about the mental game, that's, that's everything. Um, and then there's some other things we talked about, like spending as much time hunting, yada, 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 but like you fitness is huge. Yeah. For those that are brand new beginners that are wondering why do you have to train? Like they get like, yes, it's hard, but could you paint a picture a little bit about what a day in the life of like on the hunt would be on like physically on on your body? Yeah, exactly. And I think this changes by your setup, right? We talked about car camping versus backpacking and all that stuff, but Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, Again, we're going to throw it out there. You got to get away from people and you've got to spend as much time in a place you could kill an elk at any given moment as possible. Mm-hmm. To do that, that means you're at least two hours from a truck, right? And mm-hmm. you're off the trail as we talked about. I'm just, I'm laying out all the assumptions we've got here. Um, you're far from a, tr- you're far from the truck. You're far from the road. You're away. You're off a trail. So that means really difficult hiking, right? That also means you're going to have to go up or downhill because if you go flat, it's going to be somewhere that's super accessible to everybody else. It's really easy, not going to happen. So I think realistically for me, what it looks like is at least three to five hours a day of hiking, right? Right. That's a lot of hiking. Um, And some other guys might not go quite that crazy, but I think if you're in somewhere, you're going to be hunting elk, it's at least two to four hours a day of hiking. Mm -hmm. Like if you want a good chance, right? So not only is it two to four hours of hiking a day, it's, you know, probably 500 to 2000 vertical feet a day, which wow. that doesn't sound like much, but you can run a hill, go run a bunch of hills and track it with a Garmin or some smartphone app or something. And you'll be like, Oh, that was a tough one. You'll look down. It's like 200 feet elevation. Game. <laughs> yeah. Two, yeah. 500 to 2000 feet of elevation a day is, is no joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No joke at all. And like, if there's one thing I can tell guys, like get that far from the road and get that far up because you're going to leave people behind. Right. And that's mm-hmm. why fitness, that's why fitness is so critical is it's not, not just something you need to be. It's that it puts you in different places than everyone yeah. else. And that's where the elk are. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is hard to communicate how fit an elk is. Like I think the first time I was hunting, the first elk I ever saw, uh, well, that's not true. The first one I ever saw was in a meadow, but the first elk I ever got close to was a herd of them that spooked and they boosted or busted out through the, the dark timber and that they had like a big giant six point bull and that thing i'm not kidding started running 20 yards for me and didn't stop running until it was 1500 feet up the mountain and over the top wow and like it was like a motorboat you could see the wake, the wake going through the trees because it kind of held its nose up oh. and back and you could just see it plowing 
the whole way up the mountain. And it wasn't even, I got my binoculars on it when I got to the top. It wasn't even breathing hard. What a I beast. Just went straight up and over the top of 1500 foot mountain at 11,000 feet. <laughs> so like, that's a, hopefully that's a good illustration of what an elk can do. And like, that's how they protect themselves. They get far up and away from anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the day to day. But there's a few other things, right? You're carrying 20 to 50 pounds, depending on your backpack setup. Yeah. And by the way, you're doing this every day for like eight straight days. Right. And then let's not forget, if you get something down, it means you're making, you know, two to four round trips with like 80 to 100 pounds of elk meat on your back. Yeah. So if you are successful, you basically just tripled your workload yeah. <laughs> that you are already doing every day. Yeah. Oh, it's so. Man. Like that's, I mean, that sounds pretty intense, but that's kind of a wake up call for guys. And like, it's not, you're not going to mosey on out there. Maybe you will, like people get lucky. Right. But like, if you want to regress to that 8% success mean, uh, if you mosey on out there and just kind of hope something will go well, like that'll be about the hit rate, be about one Mm -hmm. in 10 times. But if you want to, you'll get an elk every third of the time or half the time, like you're going to have to put that level of effort in. Yeah. And about one out of 10 times usually is about one every 10 years. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's significant. This kind of training, what it can do, it seems. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I think that's just the level at which you need to operate and yeah, you know, that kind of gives guys a goal of like, wow, you know, I need to do that. And if you think about your training, you know, I'm a huge advocate. The number one thing I can say about training is like train the way you hunt, right? Like train for hunting. Um, like, yeah. And the thing that I'm such a big advocate for, for guys training for elk hunting is you got to train the way you hunt and vice versa. <laughs> right. I think, you know, now that you know that, you know, the level of dedication it takes or effort to go get something. Like if you're training 30 minutes a day, you know, every other day, like, do you think it's going to go well? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of a, especially if you're just sitting in a gym weightlifting for 30, 30 minutes a day for five days a week. And then you go out there and you spend three to five hours a day at cardio. Like it's going to be a huge mismatch. Yeah. Yeah. And so in a perfect world, would the question be Baxter, does that mean I need to hike three to five hours a day and get 500 to 2000 feet vertical with a 20 to 50 pound pack on my back? That would be great. <laughs> no, that's a, I'm messing with you. Yeah, I mean, I think but it the reality, would. Though. It would like it uh, in a perfect world, right? Yeah, and this is where some of the Iron Man stuff comes in, right? Like the reality of life is you can't. I mean, most people can't do the exact thing they're training for every day, right? Either either you'd burn out or you're just not in the situation. So you think exercise, you can you can like make sure you've got a good plan, periodize it, do all that stuff. But really it's about training effectively with the time you've got and training the right system. Yeah. And so now we're getting a bit into like how to train, right? And you mentioned periodization. For those of uh, people out there who are unfamiliar with periodization, could you give them a brief overview? Yeah, that's the the general concept of working, working your body really, really hard and then taking a little bit of time off. Mm-hmm. is essentially it. It's pretty simple. In cycles, um, right? In cycles, yeah. And I, you know, I think the important thing too, before we dive too deep into into all the little nitty gritty, is for guys. And we talked a little bit about this earlier: is weightlifting versus cardio, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's so big. Um, and you, the whole 
the whole hunting marketing machine is around these guys that look like animals, right? They're just like huge weightlifters, um, which is awesome. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being fit with both. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm a big, big advocate that you know, 90 to 95% of the time you're out elk hunting, you're actually doing cardio, right? You're just hiking right. around. You're not doing stuff like weightlifting or doing incredible um, incredible feats of strength or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what helped me bonk the first year is that I trained the wrong system and I spent 50, 60% of the time weightlifting. Um, and so I think if you've got this really small amount of time to train each week, you know, no one, nobody can probably train for more than an hour or two a day, unless you make some serious sacrifices. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important to focus it on the type of training that's going to pay dividends. And in my opinion, that's going to be cardio, right? Yeah. Um, and so with your body, there's actually two, there's roughly two systems, right? There's the aerobic and the anaerobic system, which just means using oxygen or not using oxygen. We're not going to go down the whole like Krebs cycle and uh, yeah, that whole side of the world. Um, yeah. Is that the fat burning versus like sugar burning? Exactly. Yeah. And you burn different things. We can talk back country nu- nutrition later, uh, later on, but Essentially, all you need to know is that there's a certain point at which your body flips from using carbohydrate to burn for energy to using fat to burn for energy. And the types of muscles and nutrition that works for both are very different. Mm -hmm. So, for example, what they call slow twitch fibers, which is endurance muscle, is this really dark red type meat, right? And then they've got fast twitch muscle, which is kind of this white meat. So this also explains why you've got, you know, chickens with dark meat on the legs and white meat up top because fast twitch, they're jumping off the ground. They're flying really quickly somewhere and they're done. Oh, interesting. Versus their legs, they're running for like a mile, right? Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So if you're training two different systems, you're literally physically altering your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, it's something that's super, super critical for an Ironman because you're, it's all endurance, right? And so real quick overview of that, and we'll, we'll go back to why this is relevant. But when you're doing an Ironman, you look at your zones, you look at where your lactic acid threshold is, because that's essentially the, the place at where you switch between the two systems. And for guys that aren't familiar, that's basically when you start breathing really hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When right. you run out of breath, it's your body can't take out the stuff it's putting in fast enough or it's breaking mm-hmm. down fast enough and you switch over to this anaerobic type of world. And in the Ironman, you pick up these little zones that have been proven time and time again um, through sports physiologists to, to figure out where you're training and what kind of heart rate and amount of effort you should be training in. Yeah. So that's a lot of like technical stuff you don't necessarily need to know for elk hunting, but what guys should know is if you're up there working the anaerobic side of your body all the time, you're not really training the aerobic or the cardio side. Right. Right. So guys don't like to hear this, but you've got to, you've got to train that if you want to be successful. The aerobic side. Yeah. The aerobic yeah. Side. Yeah. An analogy that might help is like, if you think about a car and like switching gears, your low gears are your slow twitch muscles and your high gears are your fast twitch muscles and when you're using the low gears you're burning fat slow fuel burning fuel and when you start to redline and go in high gears you need that fast burning carbohydrate sugar to burn and back to what you're saying that is that when you're out there elk hunting most of the time you're actually in the lower gears totally yeah you're you you have to do things for hours on end right so you just can't be in these like 
I'm going to run and do this crazy thing because you'll just burn out. Right. Uh, which has big, big implications on nutrition. You know, I almost want to dive into that, but I know we've got to we'll do that at another time, but your body yeah. only has so much carbohydrate and you got to fuel with carbohydrate. Long, long story short, sugar isn't bad, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah. So it's, it's got those, you've got to train for, you know, these long endurance type events. Right. And so mm-hmm. that being said, like there's nothing wrong with weightlifting, right? Weightlifting is amazing, right? Like you, it makes you stronger. It's going to make you a lot more stable, more injury proof. It's going to help you pick the heavy pack up. It's going to help you pack out an elk. Like those are all really good things. But when I talk to guys, um, and in my own experience, I've noticed a way bigger difference when I spend like at least two thirds of my time on cardio type activities. Yeah. And so people's emphasis in training should be cardio. And would you say that slower zone? So would you be recommending like consistent runs at a pace where you can talk? I think so. Yeah. And it's not, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm not breathing hard. I'm not exercising, but it's a, a good litmus test for this is that you're able to carry on a conversation, even if you have to say, so this, and then breathe one, two, and then, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You got pauses in between, like generally that level or below, because uh, that's where you're going to be hiking, right? That's where you're going to be moving around all day long when you're up in mm. territory. Gotcha. Yeah. And it'll also teach your body how to uh, become really, really efficient at burning oxygen. And that's, uh, that's huge at altitude, right? You get up oh, there, yeah. there's a lot less lot less oxygen. So when you're talking about transferability um, of things, you really want to train in an environment where you're, you're getting used to burning oxygen really efficiently. Right. Okay. Yeah. So practically, I mean, does that line up with some of the stuff you felt when you were running marathons? Like how did you end up training for that stuff? Oh yeah. So my marathon training was an hour day of running, just pure zone two, like keep your heart rate under 150, just conversational, Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. And then as the, we continue to periodize, then I would sprinkle in a few sprints and then depending on the race, like that uphill downhill, uh, marathon, I did a bunch of uphill downhill sprints mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, yep. to make it more, like you said, specific to the actual, uh, situation you're going to be, um, mm-hmm. performing in, but yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. still totally agree. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, you know, in the theme of practicing, like you're going to hunt, you know, we already talked about how cardio is important, but I think for weightlifting too, uh, weightlifting, there's very different ways to weightlift. You know, you hit, hit it on the head. You're talking about practicing to go run up a hill, right? Like a lot of guys will do a barbell curl. Uh, <laughs> and like, uh, there's very few blanket statements in life, but I can guarantee you that one's really not going to help you much with elk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's these compound lifts for weight elk hunting are going to be huge, right? Snatches, clean squats, kind of any Olympic lift, multi-stage mm-hmm. exercise, like a kettlebell, leg lunges, single leg box step ups, um, planks, you know, anything that's activating like multiple muscles at the same time. Right. Cause that's exactly the same way you're going to be elk hunting, right? When you step up over a log, uh, with a pack on, it's not just, you know, one muscle firing, it's your entire quad, your butt, your hip flexors, your core to stabilize you. And then like a single legged step up basically to get over the other side. That's Um, right. Yeah. So I'm a big advocate if you are, you know, not if you are, when you are weightlifting to make sure you're doing these really compound exercises with an emphasis on the lower body, right? Everybody wants to go upper body. Nobody wants to, you know, everybody wants to skip leg day, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
but like the body, the lower body, your core and your legs is like what you're going to use again, 90, 95% of the time when you're all coming. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So you're, what you're saying is at the gym, those you want to stay away from the machines for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. with the machines, you're not, you're just isolating one muscle. And I guess that's why bodybuilders use machines so mm-hmm. much. Cause they want to make that big, have a big bicep and it to be proportioned to the wrist and the shoulder this way or that way. Um, whereas with the compound movements or lifting a weight off the ground, you're using all your stabilizer muscles and fighting against gravity the way you naturally would be, I guess. Um, Totally. Do something like elk hunting. Yeah. And you'll, I mean, you'll make that one muscle super strong, but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter if that one muscle is strong, if all the ones it attaches to are weak. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not able to function. And when you've got this chain working all the way up from your boots, which we'll get into in a few episodes, all the way up to your, you know, your shoulders, that's uh, they've got to function as a team. So training them Mm -hmm. the same way is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And they did, uh, you know, I don't, I do get down on weightlifting in this podcast and the posts a little bit, but like weightlifting is incredibly important. Like I, even in the Ironman, like the purest of pure cardio events, mm-hmm. we still would weightlift two times a week. You know, we'd be working two time, working out two times a day, six days a week, um, you know, like a six to eight hour workout on Saturday, but yeah, you'd still take two of those sessions and make it weightlifting. Cause that level of, um, strength and injury prevention from weightlifting is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's good. It's just, you know, everything in proportion and to the ratio that's right. Yeah. So it sounds like a big part is cardio and then the weightlifting is important. However, it should be emphasis on the lower body and like core and legs. Do we want to go into specifics of like what exercises people could be doing at home or does the blog post cover all that? I think we've got a lot of that in the blog post and we probably save time here because if guys okay. want to go you know, figure out exactly what things you to be honest too, like I'm a little rusty on my exercise physiology side of the house. And I know there's guys that are phenomenal at this, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's lots of good resources. So if you're looking for a tactical plan about line one on the blog, guys can follow a little bit, but there's also programs that are f- great for elk shape. So gotcha. um, you can figure that out there too. But you know, I do think there's some general rules for, for, uh, for training that, that are probably worth talking about a little bit. Um, just since I've learned a lot of those lessons the hard way. Um, did you ever hear about the 10% rule when you were, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. We're increasing volume by 10% a week, right. Or no more than 10% a week. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I tore, I learned that one the hard way, right? When I first got into triathlons, like we talked about, I was in really good shape for swimming and biking and I'd never run really more than two or three miles in my life. <laughs> I think within like a week and, or sorry, a month and a half, I was running seven miles at like a seven something minute pace, which is mm-hmm. not advised. Uh, I think a month later, I tore a tendon in my foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so many people who train for endurance events get injured. So I think many. because of this very reason. So many, it's like very, I think one in, uh, I can't remember the stat now, but I think it's like one in three people training for an Ironman get injured at the reschedule it or something crazy. Like oh, that. wow. Yeah. It's phenomenally it. high, but that's super important for guys that are new, right. And they're, they're going to start doing something that gets them ready for elk season, which I hope they're doing by now since it's already May, but, um, you can't ever, ever boost your stuff by more than about 10% in a week. So if you're running mm-hmm. like 10 miles a week, you don't want to run more than 11 miles the week before or the week after. Sorry. 
Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's something I really had to learn the hard way with that injury because it derailed me. I ended up doing the triathlon anyway and really fully injuring it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then it took, you know, that point, it was a half Ironman that I did. And I was like, hey, this is, I really want to go do the full. Like, mm-hmm. if I can do that while I'm injured, I could do the full. <laughs> Dang. Really, really logical thinking. <laughs> um, but what it took was it took 12 months, 12 full months of slowly building. Yeah. So just to give guys a perspective, I went out and I put on all my stuff and I ran three times a week and I ran half a mile. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was the recommendation from uh, the doctor. Cause he's like, you have to start super slow. And he's like, next week you can run half a mile times 1.1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you do that math, it takes literally 12 months for you to build all the way up to doing, you know, a full marathon level of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really, really mentally difficult and painful thing. Uh, but it's so necessary because that's just, you really start to get injured past that point. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I bought a brand new pair of shoes and then I ran like 11 miles that day and I injured my big toe and, and I couldn't run my first marathon. I had to reschedule it. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it, right? Like you go too hard and then all of a sudden you can't exercise for you know, a few months. Yeah, so that new pair of shoes, probably same thing. I probably should have ran like 10% of my runs in the new shoes and then 20 and then 30 and really break them in. Yeah, and it's a, it's a time-tested rule, right? The legions of endurance athletes, triathlons, runners, cyclists, they've all learned that like that 10% rule. Anything new you're doing, you never want to boost it more than about 10%. Um, so I think that's a really good rule that I've learned the hard way. A lot of guys have learned the hard way for training. Yeah. So, but that also gets into another rule, which is you cannot make fitness gains in like a month or two, right? <laughs> that's the exact reason right there. Like you're essentially when you're working out, all you're doing is stressing your body, right? It mm-hmm. needs to be able to recover. And so the ability for it to recover it's only about that 10% a week. So if you just go huge for two or three weeks, you're only going to still get 10 or 20% gains, but you're also going to break your body down to the point where you're just exhausted. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so that gets into periodization, which is what you're talking about, which is if you are building this sort of thing to lock in the gains you've got of fitness, you actually have to rest. Like rest is as important as training. And that's one of the things that they just drilled into me. Uh, when I was training is that if you don't get a good night's sleep and you don't take, you ended up taking, what was it? I think it was every fourth week would be 50% effort. Oh, okay. Three build weeks. And then you'd have one week down. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, your, your body actually never has the ability to recover. Yeah. You're actually just overtraining it. It's like redlining a car. Eventually things just start to break down. Right. And I think we've talked about this before where a lot of people think their fitness is their gains are being created while they're working out mm-hmm. when actually damages are created while you're working out and the gains are created while you're resting. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's so spot on. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys don't realize that I didn't either. Right. Right off the bat. You don't know that until you, until you hear it. Right. Yeah. Your muscles are literally being torn every single minute that you spend running and they're getting weaker, I guess. Uh, that's why you can't keep running forever. And then when you go lie down and you sleep at night and have protein shake, your muscles do all the repairing and they, they repair back stronger. So you know, the rest is actually what's making you stronger. Literally. Yeah. You nailed it. That's exactly it. It's the, it's that time you take to recover. That is what makes you strong. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a futile effort. A lot of guys 
uh, and I was guilty of this, I think the second or third year I was elk hunting. Um, I got married that year and it was a really intense one. And I just said, okay, now I can kick it off. And like, you just can't, you can't make a material difference in your fitness in two months. You'll look better. Your muscles will be defined. You'll feel better. You know, after week three to six, depending on how fit you are, you'll start to feel fit, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to really, it's going to bump you 10 to 20 to 30% if that. Yeah. If you're starting at a low point, that's really not much. Um, and so that's another one of my like comfortable blanket statements is consistency is the killer. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you, you're especially like inter, even inter week, right. If you're spending two days a week and you're exercising for two hours, right. That's a total of like four hours a week. And you're like, okay, that was great. But your body is so torn down, it can only recover a little bit versus if you took those eight hours and you spread them out to like 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. it's a lot less stress on your body, but it's the same amount of total stress, if that makes sense, right? Yep. Uh, So it gives your body more recovery time in between each of those. Mm -hmm. So it's a heck of a lot more effective at building fitness. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me of a story of, I think, uh, two different countries of wrestlers in the Olympics. And I think the Americans would train really hard for three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and take mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday off. Whereas this other country, I think it was Russia, uh, they would train at 80% clip, but Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. and they would get more volume in all days of the week. So that over time, they were actually getting a lot more fit and they would win all the time. And I think also maybe steroids help, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I totally get it. Like the volume difference and also the rest period, uh, between each is greater. So you're actually able to make the gains. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's what everyone's learned in the Ironman. And that's why you work out twice a day, every day it's so that you can right. make what would be these super long, intense things and break them down into smaller sessions. Your body has time to recover between, and so that's yeah. really what's possible to get that level of fitness is that level of consistency. So, you know, if guys are training majority cardio, they're doing weight lifts that are dynamic, they're making sure to obey the 10% rule, they're getting that rest and they're training consistently every darn day, they're mm-hmm. going to be miles ahead of other folks and even themselves, right? It's not, I don't always like to frame it as you're trying to beat other guys because we're all elk hunters and we all like, we should all be trying to help each other out. But when it comes to you getting back and working hard to get some more elk car, like that's, that's you versus you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then that physical side will definitely make the mental side easier on day three. Cause maybe, oh, yeah. yeah, maybe you bonk later <laughs> or you push it back a bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, you know, when you start to train that way, you also exercise that way, right? Like they're, they're tied. And so I think your body, you know, one of the biggest things guys do is if they exercise where they do these one or two random things, not consistently. And they're just like, go hard for four hours. And then they're like wrecked for a week and they go to work and they'll go hard. That's kind of how they'll hunt. Right. Mm -hmm. So you might go out day one and you might just completely burn yourself out versus if you've learned over time that like consistent exercise is the killer. Like you might only hike two to two hours day one. You're really aware of your body and you're like, wow, that's hard on me, but I'm still adopting to the altitude. But that ability to kind of pace yourself, what is it doing? It's giving you the ability to recover. Yeah. I think when you exercise that way, you also end up hunting that way and it goes really well because to your point, day three, you're not mentally wrecked and tired and fatigued. You're just just getting going. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and that's really what makes the difference between getting an elk and not getting an elk is, you know, days 
three through eight, which is the majority of your trip, are you the guy that's near an elk or somewhere you could get an elk 90, 95% of the time versus the guy that's packed out, is taking a night in town, is only going to hunt the mornings and the evenings because he wants to sleep during the day, right? Like big differences mm-hmm. there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, I think there's a few other things that like, it, it can be really hard to get up and work out, right? Like we've, we've all been there and like me telling you consistency is a killer. Like there's days where I've really struggled to get out of bed. And I think the, some of the little hacks and the things I've learned in the Ironman that are worth passing on, like really have to do with that stuff. Uh, so maybe we talk a little bit about those. Okay. Some exercise hacks. Yes. So these are nice. These are golden. Um, this stuff is how I got through this literally. Um, probably my first one is just walking around the block. Right. So the most difficult thing when you wake up in the morning, your body's actually elevated cortisol levels, which are stress hormones, right? It gives you a little more, a little more boost to get out of bed. So like even your body recognizes getting out of bed in the morning is difficult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's the crux moment for everything. And generally for most folks, the only time you can exercise consistently is before work because you never know how your work day is going to go. You know, you might have to go get the kid from school. Like it's generally the best time. And I am not a morning person. Mm -hmm. So the hardest thing that happens is you wake up in the morning and you've got to mentally get over all these different things, right? Should I go? Am I too tired? Am I sick? Where are my pants? You know, what's the, what exercise am I doing? So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was no matter what's happening, just put your stuff on and walk around the block. And so if you're able to put all your gear on and walk around the block, I'll talk about reducing the friction here in a minute, and you're still tired, give yourself permission to walk, go back to bed, mm-hmm. right? And there are a few times in the Ironman I do that. I do, you know, two or three weeks in, I'm completely wrecked. I'm sick. I get up, I put it on, I walk outside and I'm like, Ugh, I can't do this. I go back in and go, bed, go to bed. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. But 90, 95% of the time, if you just tell yourself, I'm just walking around the block, then odds are you get to the other side of it. You're like, oh, screw it. I feel fine. And you go and you do that, the workout. So instead of the opposite world where you're incentivizing yourself to go to bed by being like, oh, should I work out? It's like you get up and you get moving and just mm-hmm. that little tiny step is what gets you out the door and gets you exercising. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, a lot of people think I have to have a feeling like a motivation to go do something. But a lot of time when you start doing the thing, then the feeling follows after. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's like, it just set it up. And that's, that's another, another hack or piece of advice I give guys is like to reduce the friction, right? Cause there's, there's two ways to do life, right? There's to make decisions in the moment with incredible mental willpower. <laughs> and that's very good, but I don't know about you guys. I've made a lot of really bad decisions in the moment, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, the other way to do life is to make proactive decisions ahead of time. And then you don't have a decision in the moment and your, your logical, rational side of your brain has already made it for you. And then it's easy to do good mm-hmm. things. You make it easy for yourself. And so, for example, with the Ironman, what I do is I'd have a single bag. It was huge. It was like a giant duffel bag. And I had one change of running clothes, one change of biking clothes, including the helmet and the shoes, one change of swimming clothes, and all of my electronic devices. Everything mm-hmm. clean, everything charged. Because what that would do is every morning when I woke up at five, I didn't go, oh man, do I have clothes? I need to go find my pants. I need to go do this thing. I was just like, nope. Like there's always a clean pair of everything's in there, right? 
yeah. it reduced one of those things I had to think about and make a decision about in the morning. Um, and it was so effective, right? So doing that, making sure your nutrition is ready to go if you're going to eat or drink something, right? Making sure you've already got a plan, right? Like planning out your workout the night before, even laying out your clothes for work so that you're not like, oh, I have to get back from my workout and figure out what the heck I need to wear. And then, you know, like just removing every little bit of friction ahead of time makes it so much easier to work out in the morning. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially in the morning when your your time is valuable and work starting. And yeah, I've definitely been there where I've snoozed a little bit and then like, uh, there's all these other decisions I got to make and I'm like, screw it, I'm not going to go. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's... uh it's an ego thing in some ways. Like everyone wants to think, ah, oh, whatever. No, like I got to be mentally strong. I just got to wake up and tell myself to go do it. But like mm-hmm. back to the matter. And there's a reason a lot of top CEOs and not that we all want to be you know, the business tycoons, but there's a reason they all eat the same lunch every day of the week, right? It's that they don't have to make one more decision because uh, your body just can only do so much. Like no matter how mentally strong you are, there's a finite amount of decisions you can make in a day. Mm-hmm. reducing those is going to make things a lot easier. Yeah. I've daydreamed about having like some kind of meal prep service to have like all my meals already prepped and ready for me and like all my laundry every week. So I just don't have to ever think about it and focus <laughs> on things that are important. Oh but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't we all, why, yeah. <laughs> why there's the, uh, what they call the mom economy in tech, right? <laughs> Drive you places, give you food. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's good stuff. Um, but two other hacks for guys too, like these are all things I've learned over the painful period. Uh, you want is creating peer pressure, right? Like peer pressure is a bad thing. Sometimes social media can be, you know, toxic in some ways. It can You can be in a bad situation and get a lot of negative influence from the wrong people, all that sort of stuff, but it can also be super powerful. And so you're making sure you've got someone who's kind of helping you, uh, helping you train. You know, mm-hmm. So whether it's a buddy, it's your wife, and you've told her, hey, this is super important to me. I want to do it. It's um, you and app, right? A lot of Garmin, Strava, a lot of these ones, you have friends that watch your stuff every day. And if you know someone's watching and someone cares, like it's going to change it a little bit, right? If you just get up at five and you're like, oh, I'm going back to bed. It's going to be a little harder to do that if you know your wife at dinner is going to be like, hey, you didn't work out today, right? Yeah. Your buddy's <laughs> going to rib you and be like, oh, yeah, felt real good sleeping in, right? So you can set up an environment that makes it possible for you to not really get out of that, right? <laughs> Which mm-hmm. again is a proactive decision, but uh, it just makes it really easy to do. Yeah. The, the social pressure is such a positive, it can be such a positive thing for sure. Uh, I remember the first time I ever got into consistently going to the gym was just because my buddy was going to the gym yep. and I told him I was going to be there and I didn't want to be that guy who just didn't show up and he didn't have a workout partner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Friday, we went and he taught me all the compound movements and yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, that's another one. Everybody dreams about having an elk hunting buddy that's similarly motivated and you get up every morning and go train together, but you actually can train with non hunting folks, right? And you just tell them, Hey, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. Um, this is what I'm excited about. And I've actually got a few buddies that get super fired up about that. And mm-hmm. they're really bought into it. They're actually texting me the whole week. You get something and how to go. And then you know, one or two of them have started to go and hunting just because they're so cool, excited about having <laughs> fitness, right? Yeah, that's um, cool. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun. So yeah, you can definitely like find a buddy or two. Um, yeah. And then, oh, this is my favorite hack by far. Uh, tasty treats. 
Oh, nice. This is such a good hack. <laughs> such a good one. But again, I really want to dive into nutrition because these things are just so intertwined. But there's there's a whole bunch of science that shows that it's very effective to have kind of a one to three to one to four ratio of protein to carbs after you do any sort of, of long endurance exercise for recovery's mm -hmm. sake. There's something about that that naturally your body um, does a really good job of digesting and processing. Uh, and by the way, the enzymes in your cells after you've worked out are about 200 to 250 times more effective at moving carbohydrate back into the cell itself, like replenishing mm -hmm. themselves. So that becomes really important when you're doing these intense activities day to day. But again, we'll get into that in nutrition. Long story short, getting a treat or something you're super excited about eating at the end of a workout and only allowing yourself to eat it then is massive psychological conditioning because your body learns to associate working out with getting the tasty treat. And that sounds super reptilian or like Pavlov's dogs, but it, it works. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just straight up works. Um, and I'd go so as, as far as saying like, give yourself a donut every time, right? For maybe not every day and wean yourself off of it. But like that, you know, yeah, you're eating a 200 calorie donut, but if you burn 400 calories, that's great, right? If that's really what's going to get you out of bed and get you uh, going. For me personally, it was always chocolate milk because that miraculously falls in that one to three, one to four ratio. And it's something I loved, right? And so over time, I just, I learned to like really look forward to the chocolate milk every time I finished the workout. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, it's thinking works. Dude, you wake up and you're like, oh, I want to go, <laughs> go work out so I can go have my, my snack. <laughs> Dude, I am going straight to the grocery store and getting some strawberry licorice. Yep. <laughs> that is such a good hack. And you know, what's funny because I've heard this before in different ways, but I've never heard it put so succinctly. And it's so true because there was one study they did where they had two groups of people to go out and exercise and they wanted to see who, uh, which group the habit stuck with. Mm -hmm. And one group, they gave them a cookie after every time they worked out. Mm -hmm. And the other group, they didn't give them anything. Yep. And uh, also this goes, is perfectly aligned with like, we have four happiness hormones in our body. It's dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, and oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And dopamine is the one that is the most addictive. It's like the, hell yeah, I did that. Like I achieved it um, mm -hmm. hormone in our body. And when you eat sugar, uh, <laughs> you get that dopamine hormone. So, and then uh, also the third point, when you're training a dog <laughs> and you give them a treat after every behavior, they start to associate you know, reward with that behavior. So yep. that's such a good hack to just, yep. just train yourself to, to stick with habits. Oh, totally. And it's, I've, I'm really always been super interested in this. You know, there's some great books out there. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear is probably my favorite, probably the easiest mm -hmm. read. Like it's actually an enjoyable read on this. Yeah. Um, Atomic Power of, Habits. Yep. Atomic Habits, Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. There's some really cool ones, but. And uh, Tiny Habits. Have you heard that one by BJ Fogg? No, I haven't. Is that a good one? Really interesting one. His whole hack is to celebrate every time you do something. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing. You're just releasing dopamine in your head. So yeah. even if you do a tiny behavior, that's the direction you want to go. Yeah. Afterwards, you just do a cheesy, like whatever your celebration is like, oh yeah, I did it. Like, whoa. Yeah. And you're just wiring dopamine into your brain associated with that behavior. Oh, totally. Yeah. And we like to think we're, you know, we are quote unquote evolved beings, right? Where we've got consciousness and we've got subconsciousness, but that amygdala, the piece that's subconscious, 
that's mm-hmm. always there. The reptilian brain is just making those decisions. And so something like that, you're literally teaching it that this is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. You're like subconsciously like, wow, it's just easier to work out now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really, there's really odd little things like that, that, that help. But uh, I mean, that's, we kind of hit a lot of different things and wandering around and, and talking about some hacks and some tips and some pieces. But I mean, I think the biggest thing for guys is like, just, you need to work out, <laughs> work out consistently. Um, and even, you know, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be in a gym, right? It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be hiking even like, you know, do whatever you want to do, whether that's you know, surfing, swimming, biking, hiking. I mean, just all the things that get your cardio system going, as long as there's at least some emphasis on your lower body, like just getting out there consistently day in and day out is going to give you such a better outcome. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like instead of getting caught up in like what to do exactly, the, I think the important thing, like you said earlier about consistency is just to get out there and do something mm-hmm. every day. And eventually, you know, you'll learn more, you'll get more excited about it. You'll learn another workout that you like doing better, or you, you'll find this new hike out there that you like going on. And the most important thing is that you're just doing something all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, step back, picture it, right? Like, there's going to be a moment. I guarantee you, you get these every year where, oh, let me tell a great story. Second year I was out there, we, we went out and this was second, this third year. Sorry. This was the year I had the marriage. It was, things were a little tired. Right? I'm just beat because of job wedding two months before. Um, mm-hmm. Also first time hunting with, uh, with my wife, which is amazing, but there's just a lot of adjustment and we get all the way up there. We got up to the top of this massive, massive Ridge. Um, and it was about an hour before dark. And we look down and three bulls go nuts. I mean, just start going off on each other. And uh, by the time we figure out kind of where they were, there's 45 minutes till it's dark. It's about 800 feet down in that canyon. We've just hiked 2,000 vertical feet in four miles. We're completely whooped. It's day four, right? I tried Mm -hmm. to train in a month or two. I'm done. Uh, And we ended up that night being like, no, we can't do this. Like we can't drop in there in the dark try to find our way back up to camp. We're not going to get to them in time. We came up with a lot of excuses, which is what you're going to do if you're super tired. (laughs) And I guarantee, man, one week later, that moment is going to kill you (laughs) 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 because you'll be fully recovered and you'll be like, oh, why did I not? And I remember living with that moment the entire year, right? And that's that's very negative. Like I don't want to frame it as like a negative thing, but Mm -hmm. picture that moment in a different way, which is, you're tired, you're beat, you get up, you look up and you finally see that big bull and it's on the other side of a canyon, like digging deep and being like, oh, I know I can do this. I'm in shape. I just worked out hard. That is one of the best feelings on earth because you're going to go running over there and you're going to have that opportunity. Uh, and that is, that's huge, right? Like that's priceless. And that the ability to do that, that starts now. That's, that's built every morning, right? Boom. I think that is a perfect way to end this one. Yeah. That's, Awesome. Yeah. More elk are killed in April than they are in September. Dang. That is some, wow. That is some, uh, some, what do you call That is some wisdom of the ages right there. It's at least what I tell myself in the morning when I try to get out of bed. (laughs) More elk are killed in April than in September. Dang. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what they say about the Ironman too, right? More successful triathletes are made in the, you know, during training than they are during the race, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. If you work hard and plan ahead, like you're, you're going to be set up for success. So motivation to get up every day and, uh, 
you know, this year personally too, I know we talked a little bit about it before we did the episode, but you know, I've got the, the like, kid coming right in July. Mm-hmm. My son's going to be born. Just crazy to say out loud, but uh, I know I'm also going to be up there alone now, right? My wife's not going to be able to be with me. Um, we're not going to be able to be up at the same time for sure, even if she goes alone. Uh, so I know that I've got a deeper level of fitness coming. So getting up earlier, working out just a little bit harder, right? Whatever your motivation is, something that's going to get you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. What have your, uh, like this last week looked like for you in terms of exercising and, and working out? Yeah. Well, we're in a weird world, uh, here. I mean, it's what April, 2020, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's still COVID time. Um, but for me, I've done, I'll do three, three runs a week just cause that's probably the easiest way to get cardio when you can only leave from your house. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bike is still up in my place in San Francisco, which we're actually down with my parents right now. Um, so I'm running three days a week. I've been weightlifting three days a week, actually, but only like 30 minutes. So I do like, yeah. so I'll do like an hour, hour plus run, uh, three days a week. Oh, and hour then, or hour plus each run. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, you know, long run, solid run now. I've worked yeah. back up to that over the past few, few months. Uh, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, I'll do some swimming. So the days I weightlift because swimming is so low impact in your body. It's great. Yeah. Really, if you want an activity to train yourself for a lack of oxygen, that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> that's true. Um, so I'll do weightlifting and swimming uh, on the same day. So combine those two and you've got a, a really good you know, six days of stuff. And you know, normally, if we weren't doing that, I'd be mixing in a lot of surfing. I'd be mixing in some hiking. I'd mm-hmm. be mixing in some really long bike rides. Um, and then, of course, all my weekend activities, you know, backpacking, fly fishing, hiking in to go do those things. So... I just like to kind of mix it up, right? As much as you have to be consistent for a lot of these events, like I really just enjoy the mix up of things I'm doing. So I try to stay yeah. out of the gym as much as possible. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. But what, uh, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I have been running two or three times a week, uh, maybe 20 to 30 minutes each time. Not, not a lot yet. I'm still building up. And then turkey hunting every weekend, except for last weekend, took one off. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of kettlebell training at home a lot of kettlebell swings uh some lunges so good yeah i like the kettlebell a lot and then i've been doing way too many pull-ups and (laughs) push-ups yeah (laughs) i should do a lot more core yeah and i think you're you're nailing it too because you're for guys that you know (laughs) they can't really see you right now josh um but you're like you're working on the things that you need to do because you're a relatively skinny guy, right? And you know that yeah. you need to build some upper body strength and some other stuff like that. So yeah, for people who can't see me, I'm six two and I weigh about one forty eight. <laughs> he's uh, he's efficient, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, it's good that you're doing that. You know, that's awesome, man. Because it's you know, there's no excuses right now. Like it's pretty easy to look up an app, or I think I pay for one called Fitbod, mm-hmm. um, and you can just get these apps that build workouts for you. Uh, instantly in your house, right? With nothing, body weight workouts and just with body weight or a single kettlebell, you can, you can make yourself cry. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even body weight, just getting a chair and just doing step up lunges. I remember doing that for, for the mountain marathon. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a great easy one that you can just do every day and just start adding up volume. Yeah. Um, just weighted lunges. weighted lunges. Is, that's a killer. Yeah. How yeah. to do it every time. Oh, actually, if you were to pick just like two or three exercises or activities to, to give someone to start with that are the easiest things to start with, which ones would you, would you pick? Oh, brutal. Um, man, if you really pin me down on two, 
I would say some sort of lunge or box step up, right? Something where you're using a single leg and isolating it. Mm -hmm. By isolating it, I mean, you're not using both legs at once. You're actually using almost all the muscles in that leg. Yeah. So a box step up or a lunge, right? You're using everything you're doing when you're elk hunting, right? When you're hiking Mm -hmm. with that pack, it's one leg at a time. And so building that strength is huge for weightlifting. Um, So that would... Um, that would definitely be number one. Uh, I just had number two and I totally forgot it. I was going to say the same thing though, with the lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, probably lunch would be the, the one. Yeah. Um, uh, what about like, Oh, I remember it now it's uh, yeah. get ups like a oh, really? get up or a kettlebell get up because that's going to train your core mm-hmm. and your upper body at the same time. And just, it works everything right. Um, and so it's going to train kind of from hip flexors on up really effectively. And if you got the lunge to build with that, you've got your whole body covered. Yeah. Is that like the Turkish get up? Turkish get up. Uh, they, they call one sandbag get up. Anything okay. where you're on the floor and you've got to get a weight that's on your upper body, mm-hmm. either in your hand or on your shoulder um, from totally sitting down to getting up because that's going to work your core and your hip flexors and your kind of that chain incredibly yeah. incredibly well so those are both okay. great at home exercises yeah nice i gotta do more get-ups yeah because i have the kettlebell so i can do it yep now they're yeah. they're tough yeah so as time goes on too i think you want to get more specific with your exercise right like you want to do the thing you're actually going to be doing so for me that's almost always loaded packing right so it's putting a pack on it's hiking up and down a hill it's going and doing backpacking trips like we talked about there's a lot of good reasons to do that prepping testing your gear but one of the great hacks is you can just get these loaded water bladders. Um, I think they're just, if you go to Amazon and say water bladder exercise, you get like 20, 30 bucks, fill that sucker up with water. It'll be, you know, 30 to 80 pounds. You throw that in a pack and you've got a real good workout. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So as time gets on, you get more and more specific to what you're going to be doing during elk hunting. Yeah. And that's a general concept across a lot of exercise, but that really helps with elk hunting because as you experienced turkey hunting a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> that first backpacking trip when you haven't gone in a while, is just hell on your hip flexors. Oh yeah. Backpack fit is a very specific type of fit. Yes. So, you know, getting that pack on, not only that, but it helps you figure out how to f- adjust and fit the pack, which mm-hmm. like you said, uh, backpack fitness is something separate, but also like the fit of your backpack is huge. Right. So to get both of those things. Um, so it's really cool to take that pack out, just go find the tallest hill for guys that aren't living somewhere with hills, just go find a stairwell in a big building, right? Mm-hmm. A set of stairs, at least as, it's, as long as it's two stories, you can hike up and down, up and down, up and down, right? Um, just when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I think I saw on Instagram, two funny things from this coronavirus. One guy ran a marathon in his driveway and then (laughs) another guy did, I don't know how much elevation, but it was his staircase in his house. And he did a ton of elevation just going up and down the stairs. Amazing. Um, Yeah. This isn't going to make me look awesome. But uh, when I worked at a, in a high rise in San Francisco, not that long ago, two or three, two or three years ago, they actually had a giant central stairwell. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, I think we we're on the 40 something floor, but no one ever went in the stairwell, but the stairwell was amazing because it was this giant concrete circular set of steps, but it also was where they pumped the AC. Oh, central AC. So <laughs> I would actually bring my backpack into work and stick it in my cubby really early when no one was around. So they wouldn't see a camo pack, mm-hmm. wait till everybody kind of went home or just come in 
early. I'd have that water bladder in it. I'd go run up and down the steps, not run, but you know, hike up and down the steps. Dude, 50, 50 stories of steps with a backpack wow. on. That is phenomenal training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll burn. For That'll sure. Burn. I loved it because it's like you're always cold. It's totally like not dark, but like cooler. No one's around. It's quiet. You got a podcast going. Yeah, it was that was a good way to do it. Yeah, talk about an exercise hack. Man, AC on the air on the staircase. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend it if you can figure that one out. <laughs> cool. Awesome, man. Well, I think this has been a long one, but it's it's pretty hard to summarize all of fitness in one podcast. And you know, we're a little rushed here with this Hunt Elk in 2020 series. You know, if you haven't checked it out yet, go to the website, baxterbowman.com. I just like the podcast. Uh, we have the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, 23 part series of all the things you need to know to get out there and kill elk every year over the counter. Um, you know, my, the claim to fame, quote unquote, is I've killed three out of four elk my first you know, four years. So what I'm trying to do is just pass that on to Josh and a lot of other guys out there because I love it. Um, so yeah, we're constrained into this really short period of time. Uh, we'll come back for this one at a later date, but I think we covered a lot in an hour or so. Yep. Get out there, do something every day, every darn day. All right, Josh, well, this is good. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. And I think we're transitioning a bit into a little bit of gear advice. So away from just the planning and strategy sides of this equation into gear. And then after that, we're back to elk strategies. So get excited because it's uh it's part of the fun bit gearing up awesome yeah i think i have to get a new tent eventually anyway <laughs> yeah we can talk next week <laughs> sounds good cool. all righty thanks guys